Hello and welcome to the very first episode of the Personal Trainers Who Care podcast. My name is Riley and I am the Director of Social Media and Marketing at Freeform Fitness and I am so excited to share this first episode with you. So what is the Personal Trainers Who Care podcast all about? Well, in this podcast, we hope to share the stories of our personal trainers because at the core of every great fitness business are the individuals who truly care about helping their clients realize their full health potential. This show is a production of Freeform Fitness, a boutique-style personal training studio with six locations across Ottawa, Canada. And we service our clients both online and in studio when we are not in lockdowns. If you'd like to know more about our personal training services, you can head to freeformfitness.ca. All right, let's get on with the show. All right, so welcome everybody to this first episode of the Personal Trainers Who Care podcast. Our first guest is Jesse, and he's a personal trainer and holistic lifestyle coach at our Byward Market location. He's been with us since 2015, um, it was the last few days of 2015, but it still counts. Um, he has certifications from the Czech Institute, uh, Westside Barbell, Precision Nutrition, and he's also a pre- and postnatal training uh, specialist. And uh, when he's not working with us at the Byward Market, he's training clients online and at the Elmont Fitness Center under the business name uh, Thrive Performance. And an interesting fact, uh, Jesse has a blue belt in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, and he is currently dating a former Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu world champion. So, Jesse, welcome to the show. Yeah, cool. Thanks for having me on, and uh, thanks for the nice intro. Yeah, well, we try. We try. <laughs> all right. So, um, you know, let's let's start where all things do at the beginning. Um, so, let's talk about what really got you interested in, in um, going in your personal training career. I was reading on your website that you started off um, running and you were a cyclist for a little bit. So let's tell me about um, how that sort of led you to the world of personal training. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I was always like an active kid growing up and, you know, high school sports and this and that. Nothing like too, too serious. Um, and uh, at one point I decided I wanted to like dedicate a decent amount of my time and energy into like, you know, getting really good at one sport. And uh, I had done a little bit of everything. I was a decent runner. So I said, well, let's, let's do something like an Ironman or a marathon. And, you know, I kind of thought that like, you know, running a marathon was like the epitome of, of, you know, the best athletes in the world. And uh, so I started logging like a lot of miles running and biking. Um, at the same time, I was kind of doing this vegetarian vegan diet experiment. And so I think with the two of those things combined, uh, I kind of started to, to red, redline my body a little bit and uh, I started breaking down with injuries. I couldn't recover properly. So that was probably the first thing that uh, kind of sent me on the path of starting to learn a little bit more about my body. Um, and I mean, you know, day one, it's kind of like, you know, you just follow the Canadian food guide and then it's like, you know, stretch after running and drink lots of water and just kind of like the really basic generic advice. And um, I was pretty lucky. I had a friend who was a personal trainer and she had taken a few Czech Institute courses and uh, I'd kind of watched a few videos and uh, kind of liked what the guy had to say. So I started taking a few of those courses, really, really basic, like weekend stuff, you know, one week long at a time and just slowly started like implementing, you know, these changes into my life. And 
a lot of little things here and there, but eventually it kind of pulled me away from long distance running and, you know, vegan diets and all any kind of like crazy fitness stuff. I kind of like started to pull away from a little bit and kind of have a little bit more of a balanced approach. Um, and then from there, like once you go down that rabbit hole, it's, it goes deep. And, uh, from there, I just got really interested. And once I was able to kind of get my body on track, um, you know, friends ask you questions like, you know, what do you think about this? And what do you think about this? And uh, it was a lot of fun just kind of helping people out. So I decided just to kind of take a dive and, and start to do it as a career. And uh, once I started that, it's the whole the whole world opens up and there's so many certs and, and things you can do. And once you start working with people, you're like, oh, okay, so I need a certification now to help these folks. And then a lot of my clients were having families and I'm like, oh, okay, so now how do I train women who are, you know, in the prenatal phase and how do I train women that are pregnant and how do you help them, you know, postpartum. And, um, so yeah, that was kind of the, the first thing. And, uh, I just, I have a thirst for knowledge. So I I'm constantly studying and, and taking courses and listen to podcasts and all that kind of stuff. Nice. Wow. That is, uh, that is impressive. I mean, it's, this is part of the reason why I wanted you as, as the first guest is because I know from working with you that you do. <laughs> You are constantly taking certifications and I mean, do you know how many certifications you have right now? Like a number? Yeah. I mean, like probably 30 or 35. Now, I mean, that's not to say that like, you know, this is not like I'm, I'm, you know, these are not all like one year long courses, right? So some of them are are pretty simple, right? You might just, uh, you know, expose yourself to some sort of weightlifting coach for a three day seminar and and some of them are going to be more advanced depending on what you do. But I usually try and do about four or five a year. Wow. Wow. That is impressive. Um, but the, the Czech Institute, that was, that was the very first step towards becoming a yeah. Yeah. And, yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah. And, and that, uh, that certification is in, is it in California? Do you take it online? Uh, well, I'm sure now with COVID you can probably take it online, but, uh, they were, they were pretty big on assessing what, you know, so at the time, uh, you know, I had done like their exercise coach cert and their nutrition cert. So you have to, uh, I did them in California just cause I wanted to travel. So I took advantage of that, but, um, yeah, they're, they're pretty rigorous on the testing at the time. So like they run you through the whole workout. It's, it's a little bit more advanced than kind of like your weekend, you know, trainer cert. Um, so yeah, I did those all in person and those are usually about a week at a time. And I, I went up pretty high up in their certification program as I grew, my interests also grew and changed. And so I, I kind of put some of that training on pause to, to take on some other stuff and, uh, you know, every year as a trainer, you, you learn different things and your approach will start to change slightly here and there. So, I mean, that's, that's where a good chunk of my uh, training came from and that's where I started. But uh, since then, I've kind of branched off into a few different avenues. Yeah. And uh, you know, speaking of branching off, I do want to touch on um, Brazilian jiu-jitsu. And, uh, you know, I remember <laughs> when I was working with you, it was a pretty big part of your life. You were, you were training pretty regularly for it. I imagine due to COVID, that's potentially had to slow down a little bit, but what, you know, what in your journey, um, you know, away from the extremes of veganism and marathons and all of that stuff sort of led you to choose Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu as like your um, recreational activity? Yeah, no, I mean, that's a good question. And I mean, I'm probably like, (laughs) I've been training for a lot of years and like, it's almost probably embarrassing how long I've trained com- to, compared to like what I can do, but I've been a very like on and off again, jujitsu guy, you know what I mean? Uh, no, I mean, I think as a, I think as a male, you're always wrestling with your friends. I remember wrestling with my dad, my uncle. It's just like guys like to, to fight and roll around and do all this stuff. Right. And I had absolutely zero knowledge on any martial arts of anything. Like I thought like karate was like the thing to take. Right. Yeah. So 
I just like Googled, you know, what are the best martial arts and you get, you know, zeroed in on these articles and basically it came down to like, okay, like you're either going to do wrestling or jujitsu as a ground portion. And then you're going to do either like boxing or kickboxing as like a stand-up portion. So I just Googled, you know, Brazilian jiu-jitsu, uh, you know, kickboxing, Carlton Place. And I was super lucky. There was a club that offered both right in town. And so I just like went in, signed up, and that was kind of my first foray uh, into martial arts. I was pretty lucky. I got like the best ones right off the bat. I didn't have to like navigate the world of uh, weird fringe martial arts and all that kind of stuff. And uh, yeah, I know. I mean, I met my girlfriend from there. So she's, uh, she's a Brazilian jiu-jitsu black belt. And probably one of the most decorated male or female competitors uh, from Canada. Um, and uh, yeah, so we met there and I've been training there uh, ever since. Wow, that's amazing. And do you find that uh, your training in Brazilian Jiu Jitsu, like has that influenced any of your training with clients? Like do you bring any of the disciplines from the martial arts uh, or just the coaching styles from martial arts into your own coaching with your clients? Does that ever happen? Oh, I'm, I'm sure. I'm sure it does for sure. I, like, I'm pretty lucky. My coach is fantastic. And, uh, you know, I credit a lot of like what I've learned from there um, to help me like through my career and especially with the last 12 months with like COVID and just like gyms being shut down and all this kind of stuff. Right. It's um, and, I, and I think like martial arts or Brazilian Jiu Jitsu in particular is like it's really good to like help you overcome all the other stuff in your life, you know, and uh, and when especially when you compete like it. it how you are doing in your life is like a direct representation of, of how well you do in, in like a competition or in training or whatever. So uh, yeah, no, I've been pretty fortunate and I'm sure like I mimic uh, a lot of the things that my coach does, you know what I mean? Cause it just, it makes sense. Right. So it's like, why, why reinvent the wheel? Right. So, you know, and, and even before martial arts, like he's been a personal trainer, he's owned a gym. So like, he knows the industry really well also. Um, so it's kind of cool to like kind of merge those together and, and kind of, do my own coaching style based on some of the things I learned there. Yeah. Oh, that's, that's really cool. And um, with everything being shut down in over the last 12 months, um, you know, have you and have you and your girlfriend like been able to practice jujitsu? Is that, is that something that you've been doing to help keep you guys active during this time? Yeah. I mean, listen, I mean, martial arts clubs maybe have been hit harder than gyms mm -hmm. in this whole thing. Right. And especially with, with a, with something like Brazilian jujitsu, like, the really cool thing is, is you get to learn a move, but then you get to like actually apply it in class, in rolling to like actually test it, right? So that's hard because the regulations don't really allow that right now. Um, now, that being said, I live with my girlfriend who's a black belt, so we're always wrestling and rolling and, you know, everyone's always going for a takedown constantly. So yeah, I mean, it, it's definitely not as much training as we'd like. And, you know, when lessons are back on, you know, there's a lot of solo drills and stuff, which is good because I always skip a lot of the technique work, which is what I really need to focus on. So, uh, yeah, you kind of just make do with what you have. And uh, we don't, we've got like a small place here. So it's not like we have a lot of room to set up mats or anything like that. But we definitely wrestle quite a bit. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I'm sure that you guys uh, made, you know, the last 12 months a little bit, a little bit more fun than you would be just sitting around the house doing nothing. No. Oh, absolutely. A hundred percent. Yeah. <laughs> so when we fight, we really fight. Oh my gosh. I can, I can only imagine what that would be like. Brazilian black belt jujitsu, you know, gosh. Um, okay. So I'm going to, going to switch gears a little bit. Um, and, uh, in your Instagram bio, there is an interesting, uh, line there that talks about ancestral living. Um, and so I just, I just wanted to pick your brain about, um, ancestral living because, you know, you've, 
introduced this talking about how you were doing a little bit of um, veganism and that style of dieting. Um, but how has ancestral living sort of been incorporated in your life? Yeah, I mean, that's a, and this is such a loaded kind of phrase now too, but you know, uh, like I was super fortunate. Like I grew up, uh, you know, on a 50 acre farm in an area that was pretty quiet, you know, so as kids, we were always out in nature, right? And so you're, you're, you know, you're with animals and my mom had bees and you're out making fences. And I remember making forts and like, it was just kind of like, you'd go to the back 40 and then, you know, when mom would ring the dinner bell, you'd, you'd come home. And um, so I was always kind of like, connected with nature and it wasn't until like I got older and, and kind of left home and, and lived in the city for a little bit that I was like oh like this this isn't right for me like I don't like I don't belong in the city so kind of moved back to the country and uh, there's a you know like there's like the paleo diet and the primal diet and all these things right so as you start to explore these different you know nutrition and lifestyle avenues um, you know there's, there's always like the talk about hunter gatherers and this and that eat like your ancestors and um, I just found out that I was just really, really passionate about like wild human beings. And, and by that, I mean like, like true hunter gatherers that are, are basically the non-domesticated form of humans, right? And, um, and they live our, their lives like completely different than, than you or I do, right? And I'm not saying that this is good or bad, just, it's just a completely different way of life. And the more I like read into the anthropology of, of, of you know, our prehistoric humans and stuff, I just, I was like, wow, this is like a really fascinating way to live your life. And so what I do is I, I try to incorporate as many elements of that ancestral lifestyle um, as I can into my own life. And, and I should say that like, there are still, you know, hunter gatherers today in the world, you know, while very few left, like they, they still live that same life way. And so for me, that's like, I can mean a lot of things, right? It's like what I eat, you know, my movement practices, you know, um, you know, Allison, hates it but you know i keep the house really cold it's just like i want my body to to adapt to all these different stressors and uh yeah and i mean it's it's I, to me it's so much more than just like diet and exercise like that is such a to me it's almost like a superficial level of like ancestral living right and so yeah i mean i, I do uh, as much you know wild food foraging as i can you know a little bit of hunting fishing um just camping just being outside you know walking barefoot outside you know my my relationships and my interaction with people. And uh, yeah, it's just one of those things that just, it just clicks for me. You know, that's like my one thing that I'm just uh, absolutely obsessed with, you know? And um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I incorporate as much of that into my life as possible. And, you know, and, and there's a lot of good takeaways there. And sometimes you can transform those into, you know, modern day English in a way and, and kind of instill those values in clients as well too. Right. And, and, you know, it's funny. Some people are like, Oh, like, you know, that's great. But uh, you know, I can't uh, hunt and, and, you know, catch my own meat and stuff. It's like, okay, yeah, I understand that. But it's like, you know, you can move more, you can walk more. Um, you know I mean? There's a lot of things that you can do just to incorporate these ancestral values. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, ancestral, if you're living ancestrally, um, that would take some research into sort of who your ancestors are as well, right? If, if you're going to be moving and feeding your body in a way that is similar to how your you as an individual, your ancestors were doing things. Um, so what type, I'm sure you've done some research, what type of research have you done in, into your ancestors and how they went through? Yeah, so, so this, is, this is kind of a funny thing. So, you know, I've done like the 23andMe and Ancestry.com and I mean, it's kind of through and through. It's like English, Irish, Scottish, uh, with a little bit of, um, you know, Northern France. It, the, the funny thing, though, is, is that 
in a weird way, like that's my ancestry, but that is still like an agricultural people, right? So if I look at Scottish history, you know, that's still an agricultural society. And, you know, unfortunately, I mean, Europe has been populated for so many years that like we don't even have much like anthropological records of like true hunter gatherers, right? Or even that, that bridge of when like humans started migrating out of Africa into Europe. So I don't really know my, my hunter gatherer ancestry, right? So I, I kind of base it off of, you know, the peoples that we know of today. And I just kind of kind of add my own blend to like, okay, cool. So this is the information we know of, you know, whether it's Native Americans or a people indigenous to Brazil and Africa, where there's still some true hunter gatherers left. And then I kind of fill in the blanks with my own, my own theories on, on to what like that would look like in, in Northern Europe or Scotland or England. Cool. Yeah, and I, and I, I know, um, you know, I have some heritage that's Scandinavian. And uh, so researching that heritage, I know that uh, there was a, a time when, you know, the Vikings went over to the islands of um, Great Britain and, and Ireland, Scotland and all that area. So, you know, I'm they were a nomadic people, I'm, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> so yeah. I'm sure that's in there as well for you. You've got some, some Viking nomadic, you know. Uh, absolutely. I, I think I had like four or four and a half percent Neanderthal DNA. So uh, that's what I'm rolling with. <laughs> I feel like that's the one that everybody wants, you know. Absolutely, you yeah. You do those special, like, I'm part Neanderthal, you know. Absolutely. <laughs> Okay. All right. So ancestral living, really cool. And, and you sort of touched on it when you talk about it um, with your clients, you know, I'm not a hunter, not a gatherer. Um, so I just, I want to get into, you know, talking about your clients um, and, and uh, you know, your business specifically. So Thrive Performance, I'd love to know where that name came from. <laughs> so I don't have a fancy story for it. Like, I'll be, I'll be completely honest. I think and I'm guilty of this to this day, but most people spend so much time like researching for the perfect thing. And instead of like just doing their like researching, right. And it's like, it's, it's almost like a form of procrastination. So I remember just like spending, I went to the cafe and I'm like, you know, got the computer set up and I had a coffee and I just, you know, I'm like, okay, I'm just like researching names and like typing stuff down and this and that. And, um, and I think it was a video or a podcast. I can't remember, but Jonathan Goodman, who's got like great, uh, resources for trainers he had like an article or something on like you know picking a business name and he's like just use your name like it doesn't matter like like this is going to change right like don't don't spend like two weeks trying to find the perfect name so I, like me personally like I'm, I'm fascinated with athletics and like I, I love watching like the world's best athletes uh, compete so performance was was really cool um, and then thrive I was like you know I, I think most people are just surviving and which is, which is sad considering like the resources that most of us in the developed world have. Right. So I, I didn't want people just to like survive anymore, like, you know, drinking coffee, getting home through work and just like, just doing the bare minimum. So I wanted people to thrive and, and I was fascinated with performance. So I just jammed the two together and, uh, and it stuck. <laughs> I mean, that works. <laughs> it doesn't have to be a fancy story, but it has meaning to it, which is good. Yeah. Yeah. A little, <laughs> little bit of meaning, but otherwise it was like, no, I just need to get something on paper. <laughs> That's awesome. So when, when you started your personal training business, did Thrive Performance come before uh, you started working at Freeform? Yeah, totally. So I, I had done, uh, you know, maybe for like a year, right? So uh, yeah, I had done some in-home training, some outdoor training, um, a little bit of that here and there, and which was like, okay, but um, I, I really need to just like dive in and like get into a gym. So yeah, it had existed beforehand. And um, again, I just kind of use it 
as a as like a social media handle and uh, i'm not like uh, i'm not very big on like personal stuff on social media like I, I was never really on facebook i was never really on instagram anything like that but once the business started taking off then i i kind of just kept that and the name looked good and looked semi-professional and then just kind of kept rolling with it that's it and, and even if you're not really a, a social media person like you said you just sort of needed somewhere for clients to go and, and yeah, need absolutely. A name for your business you know yeah 100 yeah so um when when did you like freeform was was the first gym that you ended up at yes yep yep absolutely yeah first. so um my girlfriend allison actually had worked there when she was going through university so um and like I, I hate, um, I guess all the fake and phoniness associated with like the fitness industry. Right. So like I had went through like the good life, uh, Movadi interviews and I had got a couple job offers there. And, but I just knew that like, if I was going into that system, it's just kind of very cookie cutter, you know, follow this template, uh, you know, here's your sales targets for the week. And I just like, I already had like, I had already had a pretty good job beforehand. So I wasn't in this to like, you know, I, I really need this job. Like, yes, I'll take the offer. Like I really wanted to make sure that like where I was going was going to be a good fit for me. Um, because I, I didn't really want to sell out on any of my values. And so, yeah, no, I mean, Allison was great. She was like, listen, I worked here for, I don't know, three, four years. I can't remember how long it was. It was a significant amount of time. And she's like, I think you get along with the trainers. Um, you know, they, they've got a little bit of a different vision than, uh, than the rest of these big box style gyms. So, I said, perfect. So I actually, I ended up applying, I think for the Canada location, which is closer to home. And, uh, they were pretty, they were pretty full. And then I got a, uh, an email from the Byward location. They're like, Hey, like we need a trainer here. Are you willing to like, would this be okay for a commute? And I mean, I have no issue driving at all. So I said, yeah. And then, uh, yeah, so that was the first, uh, first foray into the gym. And it's, it's, it's interesting that you mentioned that. Cause I remember, uh, you know, when I was a personal trainer and, uh, and I sort of had the same thing. It was this, you know, I don't really want to work for the big names because it is just about sales and you're just sort of like a cog in the machine. And so yep. when I, when I happened upon Freeform, it was like, okay, they really do let you come in and just bring who you are as a person. Yeah. Um, yeah, absolutely. Um, and then they bring the clients to you, which is really nice. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> the intro, the intro package, they're really really helps um, to just get the clients in and, and get you in front of more people, which, yep, is, yep. which is awesome. Um, so, you know, what, you have a lot going on. <laughs> you yeah. Jiu-Jitsu and, and you have your own business that you're running, you personal train at Freeform as well. So how do you, how do you stay consistent? How do you sort of keep yourself at that same level of effort day in and day out? Yeah, that's a, that's a good question. Um, I think part of this, there's like, a, there's like a, just this internal drive, right? Like, I don't, I don't really need like external motivation, I guess. Um, so I really, really enjoy what I do. And, you know, I, I've kind of got a plan laid out as of, of where I want to go and, and how much money I want to make and where I want to live and all of these things. Right. So you always have to kind of go back to why you're doing it. And, and that kind of gives you the fuel you need to, to keep going. Because as you know, like being a personal trainer, it's a grind. Like, it is like, if you want to be successful at it, there's no, like, it's, it's not a part-time job here and there. Like it's, you're all in, right. Cause you're talking to clients after hours, you're sending them programs, you're emailing them, you're, and even with this COVID thing, right. Like 
you're sending workouts to clients, even if you know they're not going to do them, you just, you have to do it. Right. And, and so, yeah, I mean, it's, it's a full-time gig, no matter what you do. Um, yeah. So for me, it's just like, it's always like going back to the dream. Right. And, and you just got to keep working and keep working. And there are going to be days where you don't want to get up and, but you got to do it. Right. So, um, yeah, I mean, I, I guess I'm pretty lucky. Like I've had, like my mom is extremely hardworking. Uh, my stepdad, he's, I mean, run a business since he was 15 and, and was quite successful at it. And, uh, so my work ethic was kind of instilled by them. And a lot of it is just like, you just got to keep going. Like you just, there, you don't, you know, you, you quit when the job is done. There was no, you know, there's no like, okay, do a little here, do a little there. And, uh, I mean, they both work a ton. And so I, I just, I work a ton. I just, I mimic what they did. <laughs> nice. So it's, it's always just, it's always been there from the beginning. Yeah. Nice. I mean, yeah. And I think I'm lucky because like, I see some people who, uh, <clears throat> like just, struggle with working a lot of hours right and especially if you want to get into a business like this like you can't do it 40 hours a week it's like you got to be all in and uh so i think i'm just lucky that like i had kind of role models like that growing up that it was just like no you just keep working <laughs> yeah. yeah and I, I i think that that's a that's almost a piece that's missing um in some certifications and you know i, I went to school for uh, fitness and health promotion as well and they you know they talked about the idea of personal trainers being sort of like psychologists and all those things but you really don't know until you start working um that it, it is it, this is this is not a 40 hour a week type of job you know you don't get just get to turn things off um and yeah, it can exactly, be incredibly yeah. rewarding yeah because you invest so much of yourself in it. yeah uh, yeah like that's the thing i think it's like you have these fantastic highs and then there's some really low points too, right? Where it's just like, holy crap. You're like, you know, it's nine o'clock. I still have to get all my programs done for tomorrow. I got to do this. I got to email clients like that. That's tough. Like that's just, that's part of the game. But then when you have like a client hit a PR or you have a client lose some weight or like you have a client that's just like, oh my God, like I'm just not getting hurt anymore. Just doing regular stuff. You're like, oh yeah, this is exactly like, this is exactly why I'm in this. Yeah, no, definitely. And, and, that it sort of you know leads me into my my next question of you know what have what have been some of the the greatest obstacles for yourself that you have had to overcome but also what are what's what's one of the greatest successes that you've experienced as a personal trainer? Yeah, the greatest <laughs> obstacles is like probably like is might sound a little bit weird but probably like time management <laughs> like like I'm really good at um, I'm really good at, at getting like a really good kind of baseline idea. Like I can think of concepts really, really well, but then putting them into action. Like I'm that, like, I'm just, I'm horrible with it. Right. Like there's a million apps now to like standardize everything and get everything on time and do this and that. And it just like, I I'm still very like kind of not like anti-technology, but like I, I don't use any of these devices to their full capability. Right. And so what happens is like, I try and organize stuff. And then by the time the day's over, I still have, you know, three hours, of stuff to do right and, and i think the biggest thing as a trainer is like your time management is like is is so crucial and like especially if you're going to be doing social media like you know i'll be good where i do three posts a day and then after three days i just like i like i just i don't have enough time in the day to like sit down and do this so like for me it's like time management like like a hundred percent like that that is definitely and i still struggle with that now right so that, that i really need to focus on for sure um but in terms of like greatest success, like, like you mean like a specific, uh, like a specific incident or a, spe a specific story? Yeah, it'd be, it'd be great if you, if you had a specific story for it. Yeah, I mean, yeah. So, um, 
so I'm working with someone right now, and unfortunately, it's it's kind of hard to train for deadlifts uh, via Skype. But um, yeah, well, I mean, we're working on a three-plate deadlift, and uh, she pulled 300 pounds before uh, the lockdown at Christmas. And so, like, I think probably give us a week or two warm-up. We'll um, we'll take a look and and get that warm back up, and she'll probably hit three plates in, in a few weeks, which is which is like especially for a female lifter, that's, that's a pretty sick lift. And we actually just briefly looked at uh, some of the Canadian powerlifting numbers and um, she's kind of at the low end for her weight class. So, I mean, pretty, pretty sweet considering she has no powerlifting background before training at Freeform, right? And we've been working together for years, but um, yeah, no, so that's a pretty cool story. But I mean, I got tons of them, right? Like that's, that's a cool story in terms of the PR, but honestly, I take great pride in just hearing clients say like, Hey, like, I feel strong. I feel fit. I have energy. Like that to me is huge. Right. Because, um, you know, lifting heavy weights, I mean, that, that has a, that, that's, that's got a short window of time that you can do that safely and effectively. And, you know, you're not going to be setting PRs when you're 60 or 70. Right. But the foundations that you lay in training and can you move well, are you injury free, all of that stuff. Uh, you know, there, there's no reason to see, you know, 50 and 60 year old parents or grandparents, like, not be able to like play with their kids or, you know, go for a hike without pain and all this kind of stuff. So I, I really take pride in those stories just as much as, uh, you know, PRs or, uh, or big weight loss goals or anything like that. Yeah. Yeah. It's just about allowing people to understand that, you know, they're still very capable. It doesn't really matter. Oh, the absolutely. Age that, you know, yeah. Um, yeah. if you, with, with the right type of coach uh, and the right type of, you know, program, they're able to actually probably achieve a lot more, Yeah. Well, it's funny just just to tie this into the ancestral living. We were watching a, we were watching a BBC documentary or something. And so they were filming these two guys and, and they had a translator and they were kind of laughing and the two guys were talking and they're like, Oh, like, you know, if we don't bring back honey, like our wives are going to like boot us out of the camp. So they're going through the bush and they find this uh, tree. That's, Oh God, I don't, I can't remember how many feet it was. It was really high. And there was a bee's nest up there and they had estimated these guys were between 50 and 55 mm-hmm. and they just climbed the tree. Like, I mean, they, they made this little, you know, cordage from that bush and they just scaled that tree all the way up, all the way down, zero issues. And I'm like, Oh, like, this is weird. Like, you know, a 50 year old in the wild can climb a tree to get honey. And, you know, most of us like have a hard time, like getting out of bed without being sore, you know? And I was like, oh, okay. So there's a, there's a mix match here. Right. And, and usually this is just from lack of movement, right? Like once we leave high school, maybe you play university sports, but after that, like, that's it, you know, and we just don't move. And so even then it's like, it's not even fancy training. It's just like, you just stop moving your body and that's compounded over decades and decades and decades. And then we kind of get into this position where everything hurts and, you know, you can't train and you can't lift. And, and a lot of it's just because we stop moving. Yeah, yeah, and I mean, I even find that, um, you know, if you're not, if you're not playing sports, you're not sort of moving like you used to in high school, and then you try to get back into it, there is that, that, you know, few weeks where it is, you know, it is a bit of an ego check to be like, absolutely, you know, I can't move (laughs) the way that I used to, Um, you know, which it's, it's a good reminder for everybody who's taken the last year or so off you know they haven't been able to access the gym for any consistent amount of time it's just that you know when we do get to reopen for a long period of time hopefully next week um that it's you know you just people need to remind, like take time you know give yourself some time to get back into it enjoy taking things slowly again before you can 
Oh, yeah. That's, yeah. No, that's 100% right. Like, it's like, oh, you know, I I used to bench two plates, you know, in college. It's like, okay, well, that was 20 years ago. So we're going to start with the bar and then we'll add a little more and a little more. And this is the biggest thing is like, you got it. Yeah, you got to go slow, especially with COVID. Like, not only have we not trained for, you know, some people haven't trained since, you know, the gyms closed in, uh, in the beginning of the pandemic. But like, people are moving so little now, right? Like it used to be you walk to work and then you, you walked out for lunch. And then now people don't even, they go from the couch to the, the home office. And so they don't even get the movement of, of getting up and walking around. And uh, so, yeah, like if anything, now is probably even more important just to like start slow. Like it, at this point in the game, like it's better to leave the gym feeling like you could have done a little bit more weight than to overreach. And then now you're hurt and you got to take two weeks off to rest your back or whatever, you know? So do you do you have like a plan or a mindset um, going back to the gym again hopefully next week uh you know how you're going to approach training over the next few weeks bringing people back in and and just how that's going to change their programming uh yeah i mean like i'm, I'm not going to be honest like i i find uh programming doesn't have to be that complicated and unless someone like specifically wants some sort of fancy program with you know bosu ball bicep backflips and stuff like there's always there's always like a long-term plan and and sometimes you just have to like you can get back on exactly where you left off and then other times okay we got to take a couple steps back and then we go from there but um you know like clients are going to have different levels of commitment to their fitness and i have some clients who they just, they are never going to train unless they have me there in the gym pushing them through. And, and that really sucks because like, no matter, you know, you can try a Zoom workout, you can send them a workout and it's like, it just doesn't get done, right? So, so for people like that, it's like, okay, cool. Like, we're just going to start over with bodyweight squats. And when you hit those sets for, you know, a week maybe, and, and they look good, then we'll add a little bit of weight and do a goblet squat or whatever. And then we keep moving forward. Um, you know, and then there's some clients that are going to be more advanced that have been, you know, maybe they have home gyms and they've been training significantly so we can just get right back to it. Um, and then there's other clients where, you know, we might have to just do a week or two, uh, just to warm up and and get the body used to lifting some heavy weights again. But, uh, yeah, it really depends on the client for sure. A few people were going to have to regress a little bit in the program, but I mean, it's not a bad thing. I mean, people always like, they come in and they're like, oh my God, like before the pandemic, I was benching a plate and then now I'm back to 95 pounds. It's like, that doesn't matter like it'll take two weeks three weeks and then you're back right at it you know so I think people kind of get stressed out about seeing like the numbers disappear but I mean we're lifting weights not to to get a number on the bar right we're lifting weights to you know feel better and move better and look better and blah 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 so I I think a lot of people just need to like just kind of cool it for a sec and just you know maybe you have to regress a week or two but after that you're you're right back in it yeah absolutely and and it sort of plays on that idea that the you know the human body is highly adaptable oh absolutely yeah you apply the right stress and and it will adapt and yeah there's all that science about you know if they if they were lifting a plate a year ago oh yeah yeah it's not gonna take that long to get them back and and the numbers are also not are not the goals yeah totally yeah you know allowing people to explore that adaptability of the body that's what i always found so interesting um, and when, you know, when clients would, would just be like, wow, that's so cool. I, I never thought I'd be able to lift this much. I'm like, hey, you know, you've been consistent. You've been, you know, we've been progressively overloading you, like all those training principles. And, uh, and here we are, you know, it's as simple as that. <laughs> no, no. And I mean, listen, I think the adaptability part is, is actually really cool. I mean, of all the mammals on the planet, I mean, humans are the most adaptable, right? Like we live on every continent in every climate, every temperature, you know, if you want to be a power lifter, 
if you train significantly, like there will be changes in your spine that happen from lifting heavy weights over time, right? That, that will actually make you, you know, maybe this is going to be like a crude analogy, but like maybe make you less flexible, right? Than someone who's a gymnast who has adaptations for being really good at manipulating their body that way, right? Or if you want to be a long distance runner, like your body will change and get really good at whatever you decide to do with it. And, and that also goes to say, like, if you just sit on a couch all day long, your body will get really good at that, right? And there'll be adaptations that, that happen to make you better at sitting on a couch, right? Which usually makes us less fit and less mobile. But yeah, I mean, the adaptability of the human being is, is unbelievable. Definitely, I mean, I, I keep saying, but encouraging, you know, as the gyms hopefully start to open up again, we just have to just get moving again and yeah. worry, all those aches and pains will go away just keep working. Um, so I wanted to ask you about um, your certifications. Just touch on it quickly uh, before we before we wrap things up. Um, you know, what are <laughs> what are some of the certifications or courses, you know, mentors, podcasts that you really rely on um, for valuable information and have helped to shape your uh, career as a personal trainer? Yeah. So I mean, I think like. I almost, this is like a staple for any trainer is like, I think everything by Jonathan Goodman is like mandatory reading. You know, I mean, the guy gives the books half, uh, like away half the time. Like he's just like, pay the shipping and I'll send it to you for free. Right. Like, so that stuff is really, really, really good. He's got an online trainer course, which I mean, is great for online training, but honestly, it's like a business course for, for trainers. Right. And a lot of trainers, they never, they can never get the financial side of things. Right. And, and it kind of forces them out of the industry because you know, they owe the government tens of thousands of dollars and, and they just can't make it happen. So they leave. Right. So the finance thing for a trainer is like, that's like number two is like, get your certs. But then after that, like get an accountant, do everything correctly from the beginning. And it's going to save you a lot of headaches. So yeah, I mean, I, I've, I've read every book Jonathan has. I, I had all his, his, uh, he had like a magazine for trainers a while back, every copy of those. Like, so that one is like definitely recommended for, for every single trainer. And then from there, like you have to find out what your niche is. So, I mean, again, I, I, I got a lot of like West side barbell stuff and check Institute stuff. Cause I, I enjoy training, you know, athletes and, and people who want to push hard. Um, I also enjoy working with uh, the older population who just, they're like, Hey, I just want to move better. And I don't want to feel pain. And I think that's also pretty cool to show someone who's 75, like, Hey, you can actually do all of these things and, and not get hurt. And so that's, that's pretty cool. Um, and then again, like I had mentioned before, like the pre postnatal training, I think is, is, is really good. A lot of trainers aren't comfortable working with women, especially when they're pregnant, because I mean, I'm sure there's like a liability issue there too, but it's also just like pretty intimidating. You're like, Oh my God, like, okay, like we're not. And then there's also this, like, you know, once you're pregnant, you can't do anything, you know, like sit down. And, and so there's a lot of kind of weird myths, uh, out there that, that kind of make that niche a little bit hard to work with, but I, I, I really enjoy it. I mean, I think it's a, I mean, I think it's just pretty cool. To me, there's like nothing more empowering than showing a woman that, yeah, you can actually do all of these things. Yeah, maybe you have to make some modifications here and there, but, um, and even at the Byward location, I mean, uh, we have a couple women who just, um, excuse me, just gave birth just before the pandemic. And I mean, they were lifting weights two weeks before giving birth, right? So uh, it's, that's, that's pretty cool. So I, I enjoy all of those things. And there's a tons of little certs kind of here and there, but I think the biggest thing is you got to find what your niche is and then, and then zero in on those certifications. And, and again, the ancestral living, I mean, women were 
running around hunting, gathering game, all of those things when they're pregnant. So oh, absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> and I mean, listen, you still see that in like other parts of the world, right? Where just like medicine isn't as available and you know, infrastructure doesn't exist. And uh, so yeah, there's, there's some pretty tough women out there. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Okay, so um, I want to do something towards the end of every every episode that I do for this, and it's our rapid fire questions. So these are meant yeah. to be just quick things. Um, okay, so the first one is pretty pretty classic question. Um, what's something you know now that you wish you knew when you first started personal training? Um, oh, that's a good one. Um, yeah, it's, it's the finance stuff. It's just like, I, I don't think you realize the, like, what you can claim, what you can't claim. Like, that, that finance side of things is so crucial because it's really easy. Like, you can get away with it for a couple of years, but then it catches up. So if I had have known like how um, complex that stuff could have been in the beginning, I think I would have started that like right off the bat. Um, yeah, that's, that's probably the first one there. For sure. Um, okay, what's the first skill that you teach beginner clients? The first skill, probably a squat. A squat, yeah. Yeah, like, and, and, and for no other reason than like, it is like the most basic human movement pattern, right? So again, like, pre-industrial people like that is like you you that's how you would sit at a campfire that's how you would go to the bathroom that's how like you would do all of these things right and so I don't even consider the squat like necessarily like a barbell squat like that I don't care about right it's just like do you have enough like range of motion at the hips knees ankles to get into this position comfortably right and, and it's a pretty good predictor for like stuff like you know um, colon cancer uh, bowel issues um, you know hip and knee issues and and most people Again, like, you know, you can see a kid, seven, eight years old, whatever, they're hanging out with their friends or in the bottom position of a squat with their heels on the floor. And again, the only reason that most adults can't do that is because you just stop doing it. And so to me, that is like, that's the first movement I teach. Uh, sometimes people can't even do that, right? So then you do like a box squat or you, you just do what you can, but uh, nine times out of 10, it's a squat. It really is. It is truly fundamental and you, you always see uh, trainers sharing videos of like how quickly a baby will just like drop down in a squat and they're sort of like oh, bouncing yeah. on their knees and like I don't know if my knees could do that that fast you know yeah. I think they might blow out and like drop yeah, down. Yeah absolutely yeah. <laughs> um, okay and our third question is what is the most valuable coaching skill? Uh, okay so I don't know if this is maybe a skill but patience like I mean that is like it for sure. Like, you know, you or I have a, a passion for fitness. So we're going to train and we're going to do things that like the average person could care less about. Right. And so patience is the biggest one, like, especially any of these compound movements, they take time to learn. And like, if you, if you come into the gym and you've never done any of these movements, like, yeah, it's going to take you six to 12 months to get a really good squat. Like it just, it is right. And, and we want to like rush this process. And so then it's easy to do leg extensions or hamstring curls to like get around that, to train the legs, but like just learning how to do a real proper squat or a real proper deadlift is like, is, is going to be the most beneficial. And it just, it's, you gotta have, you gotta have patience because like people are going to get frustrated. It's not going to feel good. Uh, you know, there's going to be days where they come in and like you'd program squats and their knee is sore. So you can't, you know, so the biggest thing for me is just patience. Um, it just takes time and you got to remember that like your clients have different goals and their passion for fitness might be for different reasons. And uh, yeah, you just got to take your time. They'll, they'll get it and eventually they'll, they'll love it, but it's just time, time, time. Yeah, no, no, absolutely. And I, and I feel like the general public sort of runs on a different 
like fitness timeline because we have all of these headlines that say you know two weeks to this and oh yeah you know, awesome. one week to this blah 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 so they come into the gym we're like no it's going to take six to twelve months for you to get a squat down and they're yeah. like but what? magazines <laughs> said oh, I could do I it know. different <laughs> those magazines so, are awful <laughs> it really is it is it is <laughs> the, the biggest struggle of personal trainers is Fighting back against oh the the mark it's 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 awful yeah the marketing is so backwards right like and it, it's so weird that like and and don't get me wrong like I, i'm a total free market capitalist guy like people gotta you know they gotta make a living but but if you're gonna make a magazine and, and sell some phony headline you also have to be open for people saying no this is like total bs and, and this doesn't actually work right and uh <laughs> yeah that's the problem is that's what sells right it's like you 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 go to i mean god it's like you go it's like oh i lost 40 pounds in like three weeks and it's like or this supplement or that supplement and it's always the basics like you know good food sleep rest movement like there's no there's no fancy stuff and uh it just sucks that like so many people get sucked into these like over and over and over again yeah and even i mean to, to bring it to the personal trainer sort of business side of things i was listening to a podcast the other day and they they were comparing sort of like that old style of the people who you know the rich get richer you sort of start if you start off with everything, chances are you'll probably get to, to the top. But then they give the example of somebody like Tim Ferriss, who, you know, was a bit of a, a bit of a mess in his 20s. But because yeah. he was consistent with his work, he's where he is now. You know? Oh, absolutely. So, and that's the same thing. Yeah, same thing with exercise. Like, just, just like, you know, I'm just going to use it again. This is a super general example. But like, okay, cool. Get into the gym and like squat twice a week and do that for like a year or two years or whatever right and it's just it's just time 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 it's just time under the bar you have to keep going and like you know you know 10 percent of your workouts are going to be absolutely amazing 10 percent are going to like absolutely suck but the 80 percent is just like you go in you get the work done you know it doesn't have to be a pr you just just get the volume in and uh yeah it's just consistency there you go that's it consistency is key as they say <laughs> all right well um this has been awesome. I'm, I'm really glad that, glad that I uh, brought you on for this very first episode of the Personal Trainers Who Care podcast. Thank you so much, Jesse. Um, if people want to learn more about you, where can they go to learn more about you? Yeah, so Instagram is probably the best bet. That's where I'm most active. And then from there, I just kind of do the copy paste thing to Facebook and Twitter. So uh, thrive.performance is my Instagram handle. And then, uh, yeah, if you're in the Ottawa area and you want to work with me, the Byward location right on Dalhousie is, uh, is where I train. And um, yeah, I mean, I've got a website as well, thriveperformance.ca. It's nothing fancy, more of a landing page than anything. All the content I put out is, uh, is all on Instagram. Okay, nice. All right, well, thank you so much. And uh, we'll be posting this in the next couple of days and uh yeah we'll look forward to doing the next episode thanks Jesse. oh me too no this was awesome thanks a lot all right take care we'll talk to you later all right so that concludes our very first episode of the personal trainers who care podcast all relevant links can be found in the description box below and of course if you want to learn more about freeform fitness or sign up for personal training with Jesse, you can head to freeformfitness.ca. And before you go, make sure that you like this video, subscribe, and tell your friends about it so that we can continue to create great health and fitness content for all of you. All right, see you in the next one.